continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act and to Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Father, I thank you. Yes, absolutely. You ought to be excited about that. (laughs) Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today, God. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, the way that that it always accomplishes what you send it to do. Father, I'm asking now in the name of Jesus that you would release the Holy Spirit in such a strong and pervasive way that hard hearts, the walls would come down, Father. That those who have been set in their ways or have preconceived ideas of what you're going to do today, Father, let it be gone. Father, I ask that you mold us, that you make us, that you teach us, that you train us today, Father God. We're going to run hard after you, God, today. And we, we know that when we pursue you with our whole hearts, we're going to find you. We love you. We bless you. I ask, Father, that they forget my stuff and remember yours. Bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This passage of Scripture has just been um, reverberating in my spirit. And, and I believe what we have in front of us, though the title of the sermon or the title of the teaching is Shining Like Stars. I want you to understand. Well, that's kind of like what everybody wants to do now. That's why YouTube was created, I'm pretty sure. And... Um, Everybody wants to make their name famous when we're really supposed to be about making him famous. Everybody wants a moniker, wants the, the dressing room and the, you know, or so many people are seeking something that is a vain glory. And so when we say shining like stars, I want you to know that I'm not talking about that. I want you to understand that the shining like stars that I'm getting ready to talk to you about is about a dedicated, consecrated, purposeful life Uh, toward Christ, being set apart and shining becomes the byproduct of a lifestyle that is committed to Christ. Radiance becomes something that is uh, a result, not something that we're seeking. Radiance just begins to happen as we begin to radiate the love of Christ, the truth of Christ in our life. When we become genuine, when we start living what we say we believe, when we begin to do those things that God has placed on our hearts for us to do, begin to shine like stars. And I believe that that God gives us a progression in this passage that allows us to do just that. How many of you enjoy it or makes your life a little simpler when you have some instructions? I know some of you like to wad them up and throw them away and go, why are there four screws left? They obviously added extras until your child falls off the bike. But anyway, that's not a personal story. Um, Instructions, and God gives them to us. God lays them out for us, and I love that he does that. So let's just follow this path for a minute, because I believe there's something truly glorious at the end of it. There's something truly beautiful at the end of this journey. And so often we stop in the middle of a journey and we never get to cross that tape. We never get to take that step across the finish line. And I believe this one is kind of 
just beautiful because our God's beautiful. The very first thing he tells us in this journey towards shining like stars, becoming radiant in Christ, the very first thing he tells us to do is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What? He could have said, work out your salvation with joy and happiness. He could have said, work out your salvation with peace and lots of flowers. But he didn't. (laughs) I would have preferred that he said, work it out with chocolate, but I don't think he did. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Man, I heard that a thousand times growing up. It was a threat, you know, and it was always backed up with Hebrews 10.31. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Ooh, (laughs) I was fearing and trembling, you know, but the thing was there was a lack of balance in that as well because I wasn't being told about the loving nature of God. And so I had a whole lot of this and very little of that. And what resulted from that was that I was just afraid of God. The fear that I had of God was like the fear a squirrel has of a moving car, you know, or the fear an ant has of a shoe. You know, it wasn't that, but there's a reverential fear that was so beneficial in my life. It it helped me, it guarded me, because even though it was unbalanced in some ways, it was still the Word of God. Not only was it the Word of God, it's New Testament. And New Testament's New Covenant. And so I can't go, oh, that was Old Testament, as some are in the, the habit of doing, as if the Old Testament does not speak truth. I thought, that's New Testament. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But it is, and it, t- it says to incur his wrath or his judgment. It guarded me. I behaved a whole lot better than I would have if that scripture had not existed in my life. I didn't behave really good, but it was at least, I'm going to be honest, but at least I can't imagine what I would have been like without that threat. But anyway, There was this, it guarded my life. It it put this guard around my life because I didn't want that. I didn't want to displease him. I didn't want to anger him. And I didn't want to incur his wrath. Now I understand with the love of God how how beautiful to have the love of God and the grace of God in your life to, to comfort and keep and forgive and cover and the awesomeness, the reverent fear of God to keep you. To set boundaries in your life. You know, when, when I was a teenager, my mom said my curfew was 11 o'clock. That meant at 11.01, Grace ran out. She didn't play. She didn't play. And so I knew if I made a decision at, you know, 10.40 that I was going to stay a few minutes longer, I knew that I was choosing the result of that behavior. And what that result would be, because she always made it really clear, if I was late on curfew, I lost the car for at least a week. That didn't mean I could ride to school with my friends. That meant I was either riding the bus with stinky kids or walking on the side of a dusty road. I would either, that's how I would get to school, to and from, because I, he, she wasn't going to make it easy for me. And while I, I resented it at the time... I got home at 11 o'clock. It it, it guarded my life. And see, sometimes we lose that. We lose that precious guard that God wants to put in our lives by us having a reverential fear of him. I just don't believe Jesus is my homeboy. 
No, He is holy. (laughs) And if you have no fear of Him, you might not understand who you're dealing with. Because this is the same God that rolled seas back up on themselves. This is the same God that sent plagues. (laughs) This is the same God that breathed into man and he became a living creature. This is the same God, his power, his authority, the strength, the might. We, We can't disregard that and we truly can't disregard his holiness because what has happened is we've given up this fear and reverence of the Lord as something sacred and holy. And we've given that up and we've traded it for this kind of grace that covers everything that allows us to be forgiven, but it doesn't, there's no repercussion to it. There's no, there's no guarding to it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the difference between, because I know the the popular song is I'm a friend of God. It's the difference between going to a party with your best friend or going to a party with your mother. We have a different level of accountability to our parent than our friend. Because our friend will, will let us get by with a whole lot. Mama, not so much. And we might think at that moment that the love of the friend is greater because the grace that's been extended, but the love of the mama is greater because it costs her something to say no. She's taking the risk of you being angry with her, of you being upset with her, you being mad, but she's saying no because she loves you. And one of the things that my mom taught me, and she taught it to me beautifully, is that fear and love can exist within the same relationship. Not only can they, they should. They should. They should guard our lives. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, guys. Understand that God loves you like crazy. He will forgive your sins. He will wash you from your sins. He will do all of those things. His love's not diminished by His authority. His love should never be diminished by the fact that we should stand in awe of Him. And we should have some reverence for this God, Jehovah God, the only true and living God. It'll guard your life. The second thing it tells us to do in this season is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And next it says, do this without grumbling, arguing, complaining. Depends on which version. None of those are real pleasant, but depends on which version that you want. It's healthy. When did it become okay? When did it become okay for us to trash people? But, but, but here's the thing. We do it in such a way that we attribute a, a level of honor or a degree of honor to it. Like we're defending Christ in some way as we tear apart politicians or we tear apart our spouse or we tear apart this movement or that movement, whatever. We tear it apart and we do it. We wield this freedom of speech like a sword and we're out there cutting off ears, saying we're doing it in the name of Christ and all the while he's behind us going, sorry about that, sorry about that. He's reattaching these ears that we're taking off in his name. And we're grumbling and complaining. Last week, Pastor... Which part? The ears part? (laughs) We have taken our freedom of speech and we wield it cruelly. We call it truth when we're really wounding. We're taking off ears that he never intended to take off. Last week, Pastor Ronnie said we malign the poor 
We talk about the poor. We don't just talk about the poor. (laughs) We dissect our leaders. We judge our pastors. We make fun of our spouses in front of people. It's like this little thing in the center of our faces. Does the, uh, We think we're in control until we open our mouth. We're supposed to not grumble and complain. It doesn't mean if you've got a legitimate something going on in your spirit, go seek counsel, go get help. But understand there is life and there is death in the power of your tongue. So when God, God is laying out this criteria to go work out your salvation with fear and trembling, without grumbling and complaining, without tearing people apart, that's, a, that's part of the progression that's part of working out your salvation. That's something that is a progressive thing because the very next thing we see is it says, becoming, becoming blameless and pure without mixture. Robert, can I borrow you for a second? Can you sing? No. <laughs> there is a cart in the wing. Would you roll it out here for me, please? I appreciate it. I chose Robert because Robert is always so willing to serve wherever you ask Robert to serve. And I didn't want to get like dirty looks or anything from anyone. And no, I'm kidding. Um, I just really wanted the person at the furthest end of the room <laughs> to have to walk all the way across. <laughs> you you kind of test the obedience sometimes. Um, thank you so much, Robert. Thank you, Carol Merrill. Thank you. See, the next thing it says that we are supposed to become children of God, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, without arguing and complaining. Um, and then it says we're supposed to be uh, without, it says we're supposed to be coming, becoming, it's a process, it's a process, becoming blameless and pure. Without, it's, well, it actually says, it, it speaks to faults. It says without fault. And my response is, but God, we're never going to be without fault. I mean, I know this person has a lot of faults. <laughs> I know this person has a lot of faults. But that actually, the scripture that is used there, the words that are used there are um, akarios. Akarios, and it means the addition of evil. It means to live a life, to constantly becoming, to be becoming more aware of mixture in our lives. See, because God does this work. And this isn't about God forgiving your sins. He does forgive your sins. Uh, if the word says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the word. But what we have forgotten and what we don't understand or what we're not teaching the kids anymore, seems like, is that there's fallout from sin. You can be forgiven and there still be fallout. And, and if, you, if, if grace is applied wrongly, sometimes we apply grace without repentance and we continue to walk in the sin and, and we're trying to justify going, I know God forgave me for this, but let me, let me just, this was kind of what was in my, the picture the Lord gave me was, God does this cleansing work in us and we think, You know, you can be an alcoholic. I'm not giving you permission. I'm just saying, you might have been an alcoholic at some point in your life, and God forgives you, but your liver could still fail. And see, we do these things. We allow... I, I, God, I know I shouldn't go to that movie, but all of my friends are going, and it's really not going to make much of a difference. 
that was just a little bit. That was just a little bit. There's just a, and, and, and God, I know I shouldn't watch that on the computer, and I'm, but I'm not, I'm not really hurting anybody, and I'm only going to do it one time. You know, you can have a drug addiction and be forgiven, and that the sin of that be wiped away from your life, and you might still have to go to rehab. You know you might still have to go through detox. You know you might still get the shakes. You might still throw up. You might still be really sick because sin leaves residuals. You understand that you might be forgiven for that affair, but you still might lose your spouse. Because sin leaves residuals. And we're not teaching people that. We're not teaching our kids that anymore. And they're walking around and they feel like, I'm not worthy of God because I'm impure. I did this last weekend. I went with that one the other weekend. And God, I can't understand why I still want to smoke pot because I know you delivered me from that, but I still have that craving. That's because sin leaves residual in your life. And the only thing that gets rid of that is you have to have your mind renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. And it takes more than one time. And see, that's where we're losing people. People come to this altar. I'm just talking about the the church in general. People come to the altar and they confess their sins and they begin to, they, they feel this moment of freedom and then they disappear about a month later because they don't understand why they still want to do that thing they used to do. And so they feel guilty. It is so much easier. It is so much easier to to draw a crowd. It is so much easier to bring a message that tells people how to get forgiven than it is to teach them how to be discipled beyond the sin. I was sharing, I googled it. I went... Because I had written down in my notes, I went, there's a thousand times more sermons on on getting forgiveness, feeling better about your sin issues, and that, and so I googled it. I, I googled sermons on grace. Sermons on grace. Million upon millions. There's like 18 million sermons on grace. And then I googled sermons on discipleship, how to train up people. How to, to train up and disciple people? Like a hundred and something thousand. That's revelatory. See, because if I put... That's not it. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> I should stop now. <laughs> if I put on this marquee out here, this Sunday we're going to deal with your sin issues. We're going to do it next time Pastor Ronnie teaches. <laughs> or I can put, find your destiny in Christ. Be all you can be for Jesus. I want to speak of prophetic words given here. And you will pack the place. But if I put out there, become a disciple of Christ. Get rid of the garbage. And that's where we're missing it. We're not discipling people anymore. We're not teaching them that they don't have to live by that lifestyle. Okay, let's move on just quickly. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, without grumbling and complaining and arguing, that you might become blameless and pure without mixture. Where? Where? 
Where are you going to do these amazing things? You are being called to be in. In. Can I say the word in? In. A wicked and crooked and perverse generation. A wicked and crooked and perverse generation and they become our excuse for bad behavior. Well, I can't really do that because everybody around me is doing that. And the darkness increases and the darkness increases and the darkness increases and the darkness increases. And pretty soon, all we see is everything bad that's happening in the world. And that becomes our focus. It's what the news is going to tell us about. It's what NPR is going to tell us about. And so we become very focused on the things that are producing darkness. And as I was praying about this, I felt like the Holy Spirit three times in my spirit. He said, do not fear the darkness. Do not fear the darkness. Do not fear the darkness. I said, God, what do you want us to do in the middle of darkness? And this is what I felt like the Lord told me. Nathan, if you would help me. We have one calling in the middle of darkness. We have one assignment. This is what you're called to be and to do. Darkness is merely light's greatest opportunity. The beautiful thing about darkness is that it just serves to lay a perfect background for light. We are supposed to be shining like stars. Shining like stars. This is what God sees when he looks here. He's not looking at all of the darkness. He's looking at the stars. He's looking at all of you that are shining like stars. It is time for us to capitalize on the contrast. It is time. Can you bring the lights back up, Nathan? It is time for us to capitalize on the contrast. Instead of just pointing out the contrast, be the light. Be the light. And here's the wonderful thing about that. It's not that you are just a light, that you're just any star, that you are just any light, that you are just one source. Let me explain to you something. This word is fostear. Fostear is only used twice in the word of God. The word light or star is used 303 times and only twice is it used in this context which is wonderful. And when I see something like that, you know what I have to do? I have to go find out what the other one is because that tells me that this is like that. This is like that. So fostear, it literally means it takes you, um, it, it, this, this kind of light, the only other time that it is referenced in the word is in Revelation 21. And it begins with um, one of the angels coming to John on the Isle of Patmos and saying to him, come thee hither and let me show you the bride. Come hither and let me show you the bride. And then he begins to, uh, to, to uh, describe the bride. And it says she comes out of heaven and she is filled and clothed with the glory of God. The echo doxathios. Echo doxathios. It says, and her light is precious. It's a radiant light. This light, when he says that we are going to shine like stars in a darkened world, that we are going to shine like stars in a crooked and perverse generation, 
He's telling us you're going to be bride light. You are going to project the light of the bride of Christ. That's our opportunity. That is our opportunity in this moment to project the light of the bride of Christ. If I can get the the worshipers back up here, we're going to close. Understand that darkness is opportunity. This is your mission field. (laughs) As much as we would like for it to be Hawaii, as much as we would like our mission field to be somewhere exotic and foreign, and yes, they are, but your mission field is right here. It's next door. It's in the house across the street from you. Your mission field is in the halls of that high school. Your mission field is on the, 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 the greens of that campus, in the commons of the campus. That is your mission field. And guys, you don't want to miss your opportunity to shine. You don't want to miss this. You don't want Christ to return and and for you to go, oh, I didn't get it, God. Oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. I didn't know I could have done that. I didn't know I could have shown like such. I want to show them one more time. Nathan. Do this. Do this. Be this. Grab hold of this. Thank you, Nate. Shine like stars. Instead of a normal, usual altar service, we're going to sing one more song. We're going to sing it as the bride. Can you stand with us? There's a chorus in this song, and it says, Like a bride waiting for her groom. And as you sing that, can you just, in your posture... Can you just lean in a little bit? Brides, women in the room, we know what it's like to watch for your groom. It may be a little more difficult for for men to grab hold of this, but you are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Anticipate. Lean in. We wait for you like a bride waiting for her groom.